So Nevada has been the most confounding state for me thus far this cycle. It's dealing with unique economic conditions that stem from its reliance on tourism and how devastating COVID was on the number one industry there. It has a sizable Hispanic population, which has been trending Republican in a lot of surveys. It has remnants of uh, an old Democratic machine. Harry Reid has passed, but there's questions about how well-oiled that machine remains. There's a big culinary union out there that does a lot of political organizing. And, well, it has two Senate candidates, at least in my opinion, that are a bit unoriginal, a bit vanilla. I would say when you go in the grocery store, they're the generic brands of their yes. of their parties. Yes. So with me today is Chuck Warren, who is the managing director of the September group. But he's also got a radio show and he's in Phoenix. Right. I am. We're in Phoenix and we air in Nevada, you Phoenix, Nev- Tampa, um, Tampa, Orlando, Miami and northern Colorado. Awesome. And I was on the program earlier this year talking about i think we talked about pennsylvania didn't we yes and we would definitely want to have you on after these elections yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it'll let's, take about a week or two to get the recounts but we'll let's do it <laughs> we'll, right, go exactly. we'll go from there we'll go hopefully there. only a week yeah so nevada's interesting um we we just interviewed sheriff lombardo um you know of the last 16 polls he's either been 14 of them he's either been tied or in the lead um yes the problem with he's Nevada, the Republican nominee for governor yes, yes. against he, he's running against an incumbent Sisolak. Democratic governor, Governor Steve Sisolak. Yeah. And I think the current governor's problem is, is he really did shut down the economy in Nevada. Um, Nevada lost about 85, 90,000 businesses. Wow. They have not reopened. I mean, those are real jobs. So did people stay there or did they move? I imagine if they stayed they're probably not voting for the governor. They're probably voting for the sheriff. Why haven't um, they been able to reopen, though? I mean, why now that thing now things are open, right? You can. Well, it's just it's a matter of, you know, running a small business. You just you you know, you go and you save, you put some cash aside and they spend that all through covid. And I know the federal government helped, but still, you, you know, your employees leave, you lose customers, especially if you're a retail brick and mortar business, you know, e-commerce. Um, you know, companies like Overstock and Amazon, they thrived during the COVID pandemic pandemic, yeah, right? But these the small businesses, restaurants, mama, a lot of mama pop restaurants across the country. I think I've seen reports that over a third of small restaurants, family owned have will not reopen. They're gone forever. Yeah. And so these play a factor in Nevada. Everybody thinks about the glitzy strip, but Nevada's home to a lot of these mama pop type of small businesses and restaurants and so forth. And now that you've got Mortgage rates at 7% and real estate was doing fantastic in Nevada. That's another headwind against the current governor. Um, So, you know, my only caveat in Nevada, I think if it's any other state, I would probably say the sheriff wins, but the union still play a tremendous force out there. Yahoo had a story out this week where the, the unions, the culinary unions have hit on 600,000 doors. Yeah, they've, they're, they're hitting more than they've ever hit before. Yeah, I've talked to them, and they're, they're, they're on the doors in a way that matters in a smaller state, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it matters, and they do ballot harvesting in Nevada. Um, people don't realize that. Well, explain and, what that means. So, our ballot, listeners- ballot harvesting means that um, 
you're at your home, Dave, you've got a ballot mailed to you, which people get in Nevada. And they basically sat there and said, fill out your ballot and we'll mail it for you. I mean, they basically take your ballot. Now, it's not that they take the ballot and fill it out for them, but they go and take the ballot and mail it for them. Yeah. And that's perfectly legal um, in Nevada. Um, Republicans hate it, but Republicans could also do the same thing. Um, it's not right. It's not, it's not beat them, join them. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's sort of the old dirty, hairy line. If you're going to play the game, love, you better know the rules. Yes. And for some reason, Republicans have always avoided the ballot harvesting game, which they are welcome to do as well. Joe Lombardo, you interviewed him today. Yes. Does he seem pretty confident? Because I have the impression that Republicans are more confident about that governor's race that they think. And it's tougher to beat an incumbent governor. So this is a little bit counterintuitive. But they're pretty confident. I mean, if I, I've talked to Democrats and Republicans. They think Nevada, that is that is the most vulnerable incumbent governor on the map. You could maybe argue, um, you know, Wisconsin as, as well. But even Democrats have said Steve Sislak is the most vulnerable governor on the map. Did Joe Lombardo give you the impression he's on his way to a victory? I think he is cautiously optimistic. I mean, what happens in Nevada when you have a recession? Nevada goes into a depression because it relies so much on tourism dollars, which is disposable income. Also, Republicans have had a registration advantage this past year, which they have not had in probably a decade. Um, and also, there's just the after effects of them shutting down the economy and 90,000 businesses not reopening again. So and, you know, public education there is very poor. Crime, you know, crime has picked up because the governor has really gone and done various social justice defund me type projects which as a sheriff when we talked to him he's very animated about the law enforcement you can tell that's his yeah. ballywick right this is his thing although um, i've seen the democrats really hone in on they've sort of flipped the script there they're blaming rising crime on the sheriff it's usually been used in this campaign that it's democrats are responsible for the crime but i've seen democrats try to flip the script on lombardo there have you seen any evidence that that's working that the rising no, it's crime is the sheriff's is the, it's it's on his feet no no one's i mean look he, the republicans still have a, a double digit advantage on the crime issue in yeah. nevada i mean it go look i think it goes the same way with the white house currently talking about the economy i mean there look we've had growth this past quarter and you know so does that mean we're out of recession and the white house likes to point out about you know, un low unemployment, but people say, you know, are you going to believe your numbers or my lying eyes? Right. And they're just, they know, they know they're paying more for various household items. So for them, it feels like a recession, even if they have a job. And I think it's the same thing of crime. They've seen what this um, Democrat legislature and the Democrat governor and the laws they have passed to lessen sentences and things of that nature. So I, it, Sheriff Joe is not going to get hit on the crime issue. Okay. So, I mean, both of the, the governor's race and the Senate race have been margin of error races pretty much the entire cycle. Oh, I've, although I do think Lombardo has carved out a little bit larger of an advantage over Sisolak yes. than Laxalt has been able to over Cortez Masto. That, it's fluctuated a little bit. I, I realize this depends on the poll you're looking at, but also the polls don't really matter anymore. They are voting in Nevada. We're getting daily counts. Everyone got a ballot on October 15th. And I believe as of this morning, 430,000 ballots have already been reported. There's 
a little bit of a reporting discrepancy depending on a Clark, which is Vegas, and then the and then the more rural counties. But I was listening or watching the impresario John Ralston make a comment this morning that Republicans have a 1.4 percent advantage in turnout, which is not unusual at this point. But if it gets to three percent, if it climbs in the next couple of days to a three percent advantage, it it could be it could be problematic for Democrats. And that could mean the wave is here. What do you interpret out of those early voting numbers? Those early voting numbers are poor for Democrats. And I'll tell you why. Because of the Donald Trump influence of 2020, this is going to happen in Arizona as well, where it's basically level, right? Um, about half your GOP votes are going to show up on election day. I mean, we, that's the polling shows. I mean, in Arizona- Not even more than that. So half half the people will, will vote early. Half not more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, but it used to be 80%. So if oh. they're so if you know in so Arizona, more example, people are holding back than usual. Yeah. Because of Trump. So I mean, look if they don't have, if the Democrats don't have a high single digit lead or low double digits, they're doomed. They're done because you're going to see basically a sixty five thirty five Republican, you know, margin on election day in Arizona, Nevada, and that's what that's what all these national pundits keep making. They look at these early ballots, say, oh, well, they're tied. Or in Arizona, you know, in Arizona, the Republicans used to have 70. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way anymore. I mean, you know, we've we've interviewed in, in Arizona. We've interviewed over 30,000 um, low and high propensity Republicans. Forty nine point eight percent said I'm voting on Election Day. You know, and so that's changed. And and, and that's, that's a state what, that's another there. They are inclined to vote early in yes, Arizona, and, but they changed because of Trump. Trump changed the game because he doesn't like the early vote because yeah. he thinks it's fraudulent or whatever. So now more Republicans are holding back and waiting to vote. And they're going to go on election day and that's what everybody's missing. So if you are a Democrat candidate and you see your partisan turnouts basically even, even if you're 1.52% behind or, or ahead, boy, you got a storm coming on election day and their, their folks are not going to turn out like Republicans on election day. They've got okay. to build some buffer here. I mean, I'll, I'll use a perfect example in Arizona. Um, um, when, um, when Carrie Lake was in the primary, her opponent, um, Karen, um, Robson was up nine points of early balloting. Yes. Early with votes. And she lost by four or five. Yeah. Boy, Democrats are in the same boat. Interesting. So let's talk about the difference between Nevada. And then I want to go to Arizona. Okay. The difference between the gov race and the Senate race. Could you have a ticket split where, Sisolak goes down and um, Cortez Masto somehow survives. The polling has been a little bit more bullish for her. Um, you know, she's she's tied or maybe up one or up two in some of this late polling. Although, again, I mean, it's basically a dead even race. We're talking about a couple thousand of votes, maybe 10,000 votes at the end of this. I was going back. The, the one thing I'm going to make my Senate projections later, and the, this has been the toughest state for me to <laughs> freaking pick. But the one thing that holds me back is Republicans haven't won a Senate race in Nevada since 2012. Dean Heller. And he won in the same year that Obama easily won reelection in Nevada. It was a tougher reelection for him overall, Obama. But he won. I think it was six points or something. And Dean Heller won. 
So that shows me, yes, there, there are ticket splitters. People voted for president yes. and then they voted for Republican senator. So I'm wondering in this year, obviously no presidential election, but you got a gubernatorial on the top of the ballot and then right under the Senate race. What are what is the likelihood of a ticket split that those two races go the opposite way? Different parties win them. Or do you think that it's more likely they they fall together? Well, I think it's more likely they fall together, but never say never. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised on election night if you see if Sheriff Lombardo and Carrie Lake win and the Republicans lose the Senate seats. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, again, the one thing that's hard about Nevada is you just don't know how effective still the Harry Reid machine and the culinary right. union's efforts are. Yeah, you know. I'm I'm fairly convinced in 2020 the culinary unions ballot harvested about 80,000 votes, and I think Trump only lost there by 32,000. Right, so I think you've got to go on, and I think the unions are probably worth a point or two there in Nevada. Yes, and so turnout's worth a point or two. Yeah, so Sheriff Joe um, and Laxalt probably need to be you know win by three or four to overcome that. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you really have to pay attention to. And I think 2020 is a good case study on that. They don't, they're not as active in Arizona. Um, actually, it seems like Democrats are a bit depressed here in Arizona of Katie Hobbs. I think yeah. the Arizona, Arizona Democrats do a good job clearing out the primary. They probably should have allowed that seat to be a primary because Katie Hobbs is just not a good candidate. I am totally with you here. And now let's move to Arizona. Uh, if Katie Hobbs loses this race, and I think she's on the path to yes. losing, boy, are there going to be recriminations about drawing a better candidate? Because, it, I mean, the poll, the polling's closer than it should be, just on candidate quality, right? Like, Carrie Lake should be running away with this. She's well, magnetic. She's tough. I mean, I'm putting the policies and the politics right. aside, but just as a candidate, and she's in, you know, and it's been how many years since a Democrats won the governorship? Katie Hobbs shouldn't be in this race, should she? No, I think there's a couple items here. First of all, I think whatever you see the Republicans have on polling at three points when it's all said and done, more. There's just a lot of Republicans here, and you've seen it, that just will not answer polling. They're not getting accurate polling here. So when I see Carrie Lake up three, she's up six. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just that that's part of it. The the Republicans here— So you think that race is done? Carrie Lake's going to win. I think that race is done. And, you know, and the other thing, too, is, you know— why the Democrat, um, you know, I get why you do it as a, you know, as Republicans went through brutal primaries here, I get it. It takes a while to get all your folks home. It's the same thing in Pennsylvania. Look at that brutal primary. If, if right. Oz had been the sole nominee, he'd probably up four or five right now. Right. But he's had, I a don't know. Home. I just you think, think Pennsylvania's so? nah, I don't, I, but what's, I'm what, skeptical what, what, of, pri- I'm skeptical of the primaries argument because I've seen too many campaigns, you know, Obama and Hillary beat the shit out of each other in 08. That was the most epic primary. And Obama was always going to win because he was the better candidate and it was a better environment. True, true. We can always true. replay these. But look, but look there's at a this, ton but, of examples of people but, having tough primaries well, and but, winning. But, but here's a here's an example. So Blake Masters gets he's getting about 86, 80 percent of the Republican vote. Mark Kelly's getting 92 percent of Democrat vote. So if Blake Masters gets up to 89, 90. Blake Masters wins this race. Yeah, That's what he's got. Now, to bring I agree. The, the timing of the primary matters. Yeah. That was a late yeah. Arizona has yeah. a very late That's primary. True. August primaries are tougher than May. Uh, right. Because like you have the summer to do Kumbaya and get together. So I think it's less I think Oz, it's less of an excuse for Oz than Masters. Yeah, that's a good which, point. That's which, a good point. Which, you know, he, you know, Oz had all summer. Masters did come out in a late, you know, late August. And it was like, OK, now you're in the general. Um, But 
but th- again, I'm back to the ticket splitting question in Arizona, assuming that Carrie Lake is winning. And it seems like you think she's going to win handily, right? Like five? I think she wins by, I think she wins by four or five. Yeah. If she wins by four or five, uh, Blake masters wins. Really? So yeah. you're not going to see a ticket split again. There, there's no ticket splitters that are going to say, okay, I like her for governor, but I, I'd rather have a democratic Senate. Well, look at Blake. Blake's pivoted a little more to the Reagan conservative mode of the party. You know, he's um, he's, you know, carry campaigns with their fist out, punching you in the face. Right. And I think that's one reason why Katie Hobbs doesn't want Katie Hobbs does not want to debate Carrie for two reasons. One, Katie. First of all, Carrie Lake is very good in front of an audience and camera. I mean, right. there's probably no one better in the country. Be perfectly blunt Two, um, Carrie leads over fist. Right. And three, I don't believe. Katie Hobbs is, I think she's an intellectual lightweight. She's never debated in any campaign she's in. And I think she's literally fearful of debating Carrie because I think Carrie would eat her up and spit her out and then get a toothpick out. I think you're right. But I now wonder if she made the right call in doing that. Would that have just been disastrous? Or there's some polling now post the Pennsylvania race, Pennsylvania debate, Senate debate between John Fetterman and Oz. It was obviously a disastrous debate for Fetterman didn't really move the numbers he's still sitting on that two-point lead that he's been sitting on in october people said even his supporters said you know what not great but we're going with him so i don't know if it would have helped maybe katie hobbs was right just avoid the debate it doesn't matter was right oh no no i think so you would have advised her to just not go near carrie lake the entire time yeah i mean she can't compete with her I mean, it's and just, how do you beat her? But don't you have to meet her to beat her? Well, that I'll was... tell you, I'll tell you, I read something this morning and I'm trying to figure out what I read it. And I'll tell you where Katie Hobbs has made a mistake. Um, she was talking about all she hears about when she goes and talks to voters. And by the way, when she talks to voters, there's like six to 12 people, right? So <laughs> Carrie Lake has hundreds and thousands of people, literally. Right. I mean, she does open ear arenas. You know, even Obama coming yesterday to Arizona, they were in a high school gym. Carrie does something the same time. It has like 5,000 people out, right? I mean, it's just yeah. night and day difference. But what Katie made a comment, and I read it this morning, and she said that where she goes, all they talk about is abortion. Well, David, I'm telling you, that is not the number one issue. It's not the number two issue, and it's no, not the number it's three not issue. Not anymore. No, no it, it it's, just, it's, it's not there. And so, you know, border is number one, inflation commie number two. I mean, so she's not even talking about the issues people really care about. And, <laughs> You know, when you go and focus on uh, the Democrats have made a really bad messaging error and saying this is about saving democracy. Normal people don't think democracy is in trouble. It's, you know, they're talking about abortion, taking rights. Yeah, abortion matters to people. But at the end of the day, 24 percent of women have an abortion. OK, so that means like 80 percent of the public, 85, have not had an abortion. And they keep pushing this issue. And people are saying, look. We did, uh, Kylie, our producer, and I, we did a focus group four weeks ago in Tempe, and we had 27 people there, and we asked them what their biggest concern was. Everything was an economy. Matter of fact, David, this is the, this is the thing that her and I looked at each other, and I, I, I made my jaw dropped. I said, because the economy is so bad and rents have increased, how many of you have had family member move back home with you the last two months? Seven of the 27, David, had a family member move back that. home. <laughs> no, I mean, we're Americans. We're not Cubans, right? We don't want four generations in the house. We want to be by ourselves, you know? And so yeah. I, I, we, we left there and realized, and people were telling us about all the things they were cutting to make ends meet. And so yeah. they, don't, they don't want to hear this 
this makeup talk like democracy is in trouble. Like I can't put food on the table. I don't. So what would have been the strongest argument for Katie Hobbs to deploy against Carrie Lake? I think I don't know that she's a that she's a risk to business. I mean, going to that economic message that she scares business off. I mean, there was that story that she was daring the Super Bowl to leave that she, she didn't want the Super Bowl there if they I forget what was the reason. Oh, uh, what was the reason? Uh, what was the reason uh, she kind of screwed she's like I uh, they I she dared him. Um she dared him. Yeah, and that's the one it? thing you can't screw around with, right? People's football. Like, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I well, think not, that, like, yeah, not for a I mean, look, Arizona's a lot like Nevada that way, except we're much more diverse and we don't have a strip. But, you know, we have major sports teams. They do bowl games here. They do major golf tournaments. I mean, it's a place people come because the weather's nice in the winter. So you do bowl games and Super Bowls and things of that right. nature. Um, yeah, I agree. It, it would have been economic issues. And she should have just focused on that and just say, I'm going to help your family. Instead, she's focused on democracy and abortion. And, abortion. and I and, and I've watched people when she talks about it just at restaurants and they see it and they just they literally just roll their eyes like you're, you're not even on the same planet. As I am, lady. And, you know, right, and then yeah, this is but... and then the other thing of Katie, too, is she was found twice in court guilty of racial discrimination. Yeah, and, and not helpful. No, not, not helpful. helpful. And then but she, I, I almost think that doesn't even matter when your candidate is just that poor. She's not a good communicator. She no. doesn't exude confidence, which to me for a governor is one of the most important things. She talks in circles and she, you know, she does some national TV. And I'm like, why are they even putting her on? It makes me it's almost cringe. Well, she almost should have done the Joe Biden basement strategy and just avoided this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but even really, then, do you probably can't win that way? I don't well, know. I don't, okay. I, well, the thing is, she just gives so much fodder to Carrie Lake. I mean, every time she's yeah. on TV, she does something, right? I mean, for example, on abortion, it's a perfect example. She keeps going on saying there's no limits. Look, I've seen the polling. Arizonans do not want late-term abortion. So who's the radical? And you see this. I've, I've talked to independent women about this. Like, well, I don't want late-term abortion. I mean, you know, and Arizona has a law at 15 weeks. Most people agree with that. And she just, she just, she just really, if she had done the Biden basis strategy, I'm always going to wonder if it had been a different outcome. Yeah, I guess we're, yeah, it's so hard to do these hypotheticals, but well, I, that's I why want, we're here. Uh, exactly. We're here. We're I wonder too. All right, let's last race, the Senate race. We've touched on Masters. I think we're going to maybe a little diverge on this one a bit because I, I think Carrie Lake's very strong. I think she's a winner. Masters, I think, is not defined in Arizona. I think he was he came out looking a little weird for a lot of the past stuff right. that he's written about. He's he said some odd things in the past. He's he's got his big brain and wants to be sort of a philosopher, sort of like JD Vance, who's struggling in Ohio, but will win. But I, I, Mark Kelly, I mean, Ted Cruz said this the other day. Mark Kelly is like the astronaut look. He looks pretty good. He's moderate. Does he? Does he? I mean, he's not Bernie Sanders. Nobody well, thinks he's a socialist. Well, well, Why doesn't he win? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Mark Kelly, and he's done it well. So if you go look at Mark Kelly's social media the last three weeks, it's all been, I served in the military. I mean, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his his Twitter's Captain Mark Kelly, right? Right, and right, right. You, and David, if you and I were out here on a beautiful 70-degree day in Phoenix and went and knocked on 10 doors and said, I'm going to give you a profile of the candidate. He is the son of cops. He served in the Navy, and he was an astronaut. No one's going to think he's a liberal. And the problem is with Mark Kelly and they're just getting to this point now, and I, I've seen it in polling. So this is starting to come back. Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden never have to guess where Mark Kelly's going to vote. He's a sure, he's a pretty woman, Julia Roberts, sure thing, right? He is 100% liberal. But his background, Navy, astronaut, kid of cops, 
You and I go ask anybody. He's like, oh, of course that. Per- at, at, at worst, he's a moderate, but he's conservative, right? Because right? the because so, the sheen of it matters yeah, more than the actual tallies of the vote. He wears that damn fighter pilot jacket everywhere. He wears his navy T-shirt. I mean, it's not done by accident because I'm pretty sure he doesn't wear it around a house, right? But everything now is about. If you look at all his things, he is avoiding issues like the plague. I mean, in the he Mark Kelly did hurt himself in the debate. You know, he was even justifying the 87,000 new. I agree. I don't think his debate was as clean as it should have been for an incumbent. uh, My guess would be this. That is this is going to be the closest Senate race in the country. Not closer than Nevada. Yes, yes, yes. I think this will be the closest Senate race in the country. And again, if Kerry wins by four or five, Blake wins. Okay, there you have it. That's that's a that's a good place to end on four or five point Kerry Lake win masters. The only. I mean, the McConnell super PAC isn't investing in Arizona. M- McConnell pulled back there. It, it seems like if your own party isn't seeing it, there, there might be a problem. A- Arizona and New Hampshire in these final days is where Republicans aren't all in. They've sort of got a toe in. And I wonder if that comes back to haunt them in a race where they, he gets really close. But, you know, I mean, all these races could be. 10, 15,000 votes. Would have, right? could have, should have. That's the nature of politics. And that's why we're on, have a bot podcast. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Chuck. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck buddy. Warren from the September group from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. I wish I was there and it was warmer. Come out, come out. We'll, we'll, go we'll reconvene. We'll reconvene post-election. Sounds Thanks good, Thanks for buddy. coming on Too Close to Call. Have a great day. Bye. Yeah. Hmm?